Hey, Michelle, how are you? Good. How are you? Do you yank down all your Christmas ornaments and toss them back in the boxes? <laughs> um, not everything yet. I'm about a third of the way done, but I'm getting there. You usually do that in a stumbling, drunken spree on New Year's Eve, don't you? Uh, no, I usually do it in a stumbling, drunken spree on December 26th, so I'm, I'm behind. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I took mine down. All I had was an LED tree that took it comes apart in like three pieces, goes in the box, goes right back in the closet. What did Barkley think of it this Don't year? He, he hates it. It blocks his door. He doesn't he doesn't like the way it flashes. It doesn't look natural. He hates it. He's had a hard year because I put in a new wood floor in my house and he hates that. <laughs> How come? Because he slides all over it? Yeah, he's he's old, doesn't like walking on it. Yeah. Yeah, I got one of those old dogs, too. Well, we're here for the affair wrap-up session. session yeah. So, that's episode. Okay. It's, uh, it's always weird when a season ends of a show. Um, and there's a lot of people who kind of wish this show would have ended. <laughs> it's, not, it's not over. It's got another season, at least one more season. Yeah, people are kind of harsh, don't you think? Yeah, let's get into how harsh they are. This, let's just introduce ourselves again. This is West Coast Project and our final episode of season one for The Affair. And uh, this is the wrap-up episode. So I'm Mike, and I'm here with Michelle. And we're going to talk about um, – let's talk about what we thought about the season. And then I want to talk about Rashomon and the, and the theme of the show and how it's that multiple point-of-view perspective from different people. Okay. So just my opinions of some of the things in the show that, um, I don't know, the way it kind of left us. First of all, I've been reading and studying and stuff. A lot of people are mad at Cole for not just shooting everybody in that last scene. (laughs) I think that would have maybe been overkill, don't you think? It would have wrapped up a lot of loose ends that people kind of wish got wrapped up. Yeah, we still wouldn't have had our answers. We'd have still complained. Well, there's a couple of mysteries that are still left open. Um, one, you know, I'm sure you have some too, but one for me is like Allison whispers into Noah's ear as he's being hauled off with the handcuffs. By the way, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll get you out of this, I promise. And then she asks him, do you believe me? So Michelle from Tennessee, first of all, how can she get him out of it? Yeah, I I think, well, I would be very surprised if Noah is actually guilty of this in any way. I don't know if Noah's being set up. I'm thinking now, the more time I've had to think about it and her saying that, I'm thinking that it's probably more likely that he's covering for somebody. Because how else could she get him out of it? Well, she Unless- she could get him out of it if she did something and she just admitted to it. Right. If she did or if she knew who did or if they both, you know, knew who did and were covering for somebody. What about if it's like Whitney? What if they're covering for Whitney? Because Whitney, we know, kind of loses it. And what if she lost it on Scotty? Well, I got my theories about Whitney. Okay. So why does why does Michelle why does Michelle ask Noah? 
<laughs> Why does, uh, what's her name, ask Noah, do you believe me? Um, Allison. Why does Allison ask him that? Well, the only reason I can think of would be because maybe he's covering either for her or for somebody that she loves, but she's not going to let him take the fall for this. And if it came down to it, she would do what she had to do to make sure well, he got out of it. That's the answer to the first question we had. I was like, I'll get you out of this. My question was, okay, how? But why does she have to ask him, or why does she ask him, do you believe me? Mm, I, because maybe she, they've covered for it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think it definitely is going to play out. Did you read that article from, uh, it's an e-online article from where they questioned Sarah Treem? And yeah, uh, they've questioned Sarah Treem left and right, but what, what did you find out? Well, specifically that, uh, she alluded to that at least theoretically season two was going to be from, Helen and Cole's perspective. Some of that was going to be included, yeah. Not it, not that it would be based on that. Well, right, but we didn't really see that at all this time, so that'd be really interesting. And uh, some of the speculation was, is it going to be everything we've seen thus far in their perspective? But according to a couple of, of the other things she said, it didn't sound like it was going to be no, like that. I didn't get that either, Michelle. I, I kind of heard her say... It would be interesting if we could get their perspective, and I would certainly consider including it. I, it didn't sound like she had plans to make season two Helen and Cole's perspectives. Um, well, what I read, of course, you never know how something's actually being quoted or not, but that it was all still up in the air, but that that sort of was the plan. But it was, of course, subject to change on a whim or whatever. But I don't know. So something else that kind of bugged people uh if you if you read through a lot of the weight of reddit and the articles and the I people have, getting yeah. interviewed so one of the other things is this whole point of view recollect recollection recollection <laughs> versus re- just telling lies or trying to cover up trying to misrepresent the truth to the to the detective right. and one of the biggest evidences of this being a difficult thing to put off is just people having different recollections was the final scene with Cole with the gun. So in one version, Noah remembers being in the fight with Scotty, and then Cole pulls the gun on him to stop the fight. And Allison remembers a whole different thing with the gun. Scotty isn't even there. Uh... She gets the gun away from Cole, and then the end of Noah's Cole still holding the gun. That's not people remembering things differently. That's two different stories. No, and I was going to bring that up. That is, that's two completely different stories. And I think that when we find out the truth of that, because I believe we will, and in the same article, Sarah Trim also alluded to the fact that we're going to know the answer. She said there's a lot of stuff that happens between where the show left off and then where it jumped to in the future and that that part's going to be covered if I, you know, read it right. And So do you think, did, did it sound to you like she's going to fix what she might have left too ambiguous? or Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, but only on the important things. And she actually said something to the effect of that, you know, some things are important, to verify how they happened. And then some are just more subjective. 
And that we would know the important things, kind of. Like she left the writing too loose for the story to be, like the story would be better if she tightened up some of those. Well, I don't know if she said it like that, but it was more like the important things we're going to find out who was telling the truth on. That's certainly what I read into what she said anyway, that we're going to know. I mean, they're not both telling the truth, particularly about that one scene. And you're right. That's not something that is um, just a memory or whatever. We've seen over the course of the whole season that it depends on the perspective depends on how they're feeling about themselves and it's just completely subjective in 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 many ways. The outfits that the waitresses are wearing, down to the self deprecate uh, yeah. I mean everything. Yes. I think yes. we're wrong to consider them different recollections. I think they're they're motivated to tell different stories for the purposes of covering up something. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I don't think it's. To, I don't think the whole last scene was with Cole and that gun, because some of them are really are really boldly different, and some are slightly different. Like you could say, "Oh yeah, I guess you you don't remember." And I want to talk about this a little bit later on when we talk about the whole Rashomon thing. But uh, the different. Okay, re- but let me. I'm sorry. Let me just interrupt with that part though, because I think it's important to note though that in that last scene. You know, it it's just one of those things that matters. You know, we're not talking about something that's that doesn't matter. And were they even talking to the detective about that? I don't recall this being an interview with the detective where they told what happened. I saw this last episode as just more their story. They weren't even showing it like this is what they told the detective. Yeah. So I think that might be important, too, in that this... May, like, it's not a cover-up. It's just one of them's lying, but I don't know right. why. I think they're lying, too. But, you know, I, I don't know if you watched the, or listened to the podcast serial about the crime from in 1990, a long time ago. It's a really popular podcast, and it's, like, the most downloaded podcast ever. It's a This American Life podcast. Right. It's really good. It's really good. It's, like, 12 episodes, and it's about this crime that this reporter explores and she dramatically super ultra dramatically points out how easy it is to forget things like michelle we did a podcast last tuesday we did episode 10 do you remember what you were doing that night what you were wearing what you had for dinner uh (laughs) what you did that afternoon i mean that's that's how that's how detectives ask witnesses questions right um and she she interviews these people from this crime and that they, th- she interviews one person. It's one story. She interviews another. It's t- it's like it's like the affair. It's a totally different story. And then she says, "Well, I just talked to Johnny, and he said X." And and the other person's like, "Well, you know what? He's probably right. I just don't remember it." So just think back. You know, think back to three days ago what you were doing. It's hard to remember exactly the way it went down. Yeah, right. Unless it was something outstanding. Unless it was something outstanding in your mind, and then I think it's easier to remember. So I think the big the big things that went on, the big events, would be harder to misconstrue. The smaller things in them could, what you're wearing or whatever, but the events of them I still think would be harder to misconstrue, don't you? Harder to, but still easy to. <laughs> but But not to the point of, 
whether or not Cole turned a gun on her. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. Yeah. Allison, you know, in in Allison's story, she kind of takes over in this last episode what Noah was doing at the beginning. She's very, um, she's the hero. And remember how we saw that with Noah at the beginning? He was constantly saving everybody. And, you know, he was the good guy and he was the hero. And then Allison was a little bit in her story. But in this one, she was like, the, she talked Cole out of suicide and out of killing somebody. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, Vulture did a, um, a recap of episode one with GIFs. Just little short videos of the differences and the point of view. It's pretty cool. I was going to actually play them and talk about them with you. Okay. But a couple of more questions about the show in episode 10. So, Michelle, does Allison have a little boy or a little girl? Because earlier Allison said to the detective that she had to pick up her son from school. And then later, in the very end, at the end of episode 10, it looked like she was putting a little girl to bed. Well, yeah, and she even said the word she. She's asleep. So does she have a little boy or a little girl or, or both? Does, well, more than one? I don't, I don't know. And are they both Noah's? Are they Oscar's and Noah's? Are they... You know, that couldn't, that could... <laughs> Twins, one belongs to Oscar and the other belongs to Noah. No. Could she have been, like, that pregnant? Because we saw her four months later. Four months was supposed to have went by from the time she had her uh, tryst with Oscar. I don't know. Yeah, but four years, they say four years have gone by in this uh, in this sweet apartment scene with Noah at the end. Of Is that how much time supposed to have passed? Right, so she could have a little three-and-a-half-year-old son and a baby girl. Yes, she could. She could. But also, I read, and I haven't found this anywhere, but I did read someone say that Sarah Treem said that there was years difference in between Noah's interview with the detective and Allison's interview with the detective. Right. Have we figured that out yet? Is that yeah, true? I think she so. did say that? Okay. Well, I think so. We, I mean, who knows what we figured out for real, but it seems like that's what ha- has been happening in the show, that... Allison's interviews with the detective are happening during the time of the events of the show, and Noah's have happened, like, maybe right before this episode 10, four years later at the... Because they say one signature thing to look for is Allison's hair looking so different and styled mm-hmm. a little bit more, and mm-hmm. she, and that's how she looked in episode 10. All right, something else. I want to try to pry Whitney away from Scotty, Michelle, um, and remind you about Whitney and Hal. Remember the time Mary-Kate had the au pair conversation about um, wanting to have her husband? I remember, yeah. Well, maybe the people listening don't. So there was a conversation where I guess it was Mary-Kate and Allison, and Mary-Kate was telling Allison that her husband's trying to get a little kinky and wants to have a threesome with the au pair. Right about the same time we found Whitney had a job offer as an au pair. Uh, we didn't know for sure. We didn't find out for sure that it was with Mary Kate and Hal. Right. But that was part of the season. So, what do you think about the what? What do you think about me trying to ship um, uh, Whitney and Hal, or Whitney and Hal and Mary Kate, whatever, however you call a threesome? Um. 
you know, that was one of those things that they just brought up and then sort of dropped. I mean, is it going to be something that comes back and smacks us in the face later? I wouldn't see any other reason for putting it in there if it wasn't going to come back in some way. I mean, at the time, particularly how they did it in separate instances, it was almost like it could just be a little quirky thing and not relatable. But the fact that you caught that and... um, because it because they set up Scotty for us, it's so clear it's Scotty, right? He's got the Planned Parenthood. He's sneaking up the stairs with her. Well, Whitney says it's Scotty. He, yes. she says it. Yeah. So so. And he shows not, right. What if it's yeah. not Scotty? Uh, well, I mean, but but why would she do that? I have no idea, man. I mean, what if Scott? Somebody's mad at Scotty, or you know, <laughs> Scotty could be killed by. Noah as the angry father, Helen as the angry mother, Hal as the angry ex-lover slash au pair screwer, uh, some other criminal after Scotty for something criminal. Mm-hmm. Whitney. Whitney could get mad and run him yeah. over. Anybody. Yeah, so. Anybody. Uh, but see, they did that with other instances, too. Remember Martin? At the beginning, they had him hanging himself as a joke, and then at the almost the very end, they had him again depressed, and um, and then that didn't go anywhere. So I'm wondering, surely they didn't put that stuff in there for nothing but just like a quirk to the family or comedic relief. Surely that had something well, else to do with it too. These writers, these writers are are psychological magicians because they they work the worst fear a parent could have they work the fear of death for noah for martin and then of course allison's real death of her son it's the worst thing a parent could go through right of supposedly so it's really it's really manipulating the viewer into thinking like oh man this i have to consider this as a parent and then scotty i mean scotty's going to be somebody's son that got killed right he's cherry's son right and I still don't trust Cherry. So there's more dead children than anybody else, than parents or than than adults. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other last lingering questions about the show that bug you before you uh, put it put it away for another season? Oh, and do you know how long they said the season could likely be? Like ten more months or something? Yeah, November. Uh, they said first November, and then. IMDb is saying October. Jeez, that is a long time. Um, no, I, I, I did wonder how much of it was going to be detective work next time and what we're going to find out about this detective as far as... Because remember, he lied to uh, Allison, and then he lied to Noah, and then we find out at the end that he's gay, and, and that's got to be something other than the fact that we just find out he was just lying because we knew he he was lying. He could be a gay hetero adulterer with a boyfriend, a wife, a husband, and (sighs) sets of twins from each boys and girls. Well, that's probably theory. (laughs) You're probably (laughs) right. That's probably not what's going on. So Michelle, I got to, first of all, I got to comment about my doing research on this by reading articles and entertainment blogs and all this other bullshit yeah they're the worst freaking websites in the freaking world these entertainment bloggy websitey pop-up ads every single time you do a little thing to the screen a pop-up ad comes on you know, you, uh, hey they're i was thinking about horrible. that this, i 
I could not agree more. What are we doing in a world now where you click on a link and you have to watch a two-minute commercial before they'll allow you to read what you want to read? What are they thinking? That's not going to work. Well, it must work to a certain degree that gives them enough positive reinforcement that they keep doing it. But it's, it's horrible, man. It is horrible. And, and, and if you're doing it on your phone, Sometimes you can't even X off of it. It's, it's, it's impossible. Like, you can't even get to the article for it. Yeah, that's the worst thing a website can do is not let you backspace, backpage to the website before it. You're stuck. They lock you into it. That's just freaking horrible. I know it. It makes you not even want to go to those websites. I completely agree. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Rashomon. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet, Michelle. I don't think you have because you were asking me how to watch it, <laughs> how to find it. <laughs> I think right. I, can, I think I can find it on on um, XBMC, but you can rent it for like three bucks on Amazon Prime, and you can probably buy it somewhere super cheap on you okay. know, DVD. Okay. But it's not a very easy movie to get. There's a version on YouTube with Spanish subtitles you can watch. That might not help me a whole lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously 1950 Japanese movie, so it's in Japanese. You're going to need some sort of help with it subtitle wise, but. Um, I would say go on go on Amazon Prime and just watch it with the subtitles. I'm really looking forward to it because I want to see what they do in Rashomon, and I want to do another podcast on it if you're up for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm game. So um, let me look at this other website I found, and this is the one. It's the Rashomon Moments by Vulture from Season 1, Episode 1, the pilot. Um, and, of course, the first one is the marble, the kid at the restaurant choking on the marble. Um, I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes because you can watch both GIFs of the scene side by side. So one, you know, Noah's version, and each GIF has the name of the person whose interpretation it is. So Noah's version, he's holding the girl, and Allison's just watching as the marble rolls over to, to her. Right. And in Allison's version, she rushes up. Noah's yelling help or do something or something, and Allison rushes up and slaps her on the back and saves her with the marble coming out. Right. So, again, that's pretty hard to call a distant memory that people interpret differently, but I can almost believe that could be a memory um, disparity, that it may, maybe it's just difference in memory. What, do you, what did you think about that? You know... I think it might be one of those things that you can choose to believe differently, um, which I think a lot of times is what happens. I don't think, I think that you'd have to know the difference. You know, Allison knows if she touched that child or not, and so does Noah. I mean, Noah might not know if Allison touched the child if he were trying to save her or whatever, but Allison would know if she cowered away or if she came forward. Was this Rashomon effect, point of view effect, interesting to you, or was it confusing? And like, did you like it? No, I liked it. I liked all of that. I liked seeing the different sides of it. I wish they had shown shown us a little bit more. Just like I said, I stand by what I said about episode ten. I, a lot of people felt like you know they they showed us enough. I don't think they showed us enough, and I love this show. It's one of my favorite shows i mean definitely in the top what five or six at least but 
they they should have tied up a little bit more, but I loved it at the time. You know, it's like the 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 build up to the end. I just wish they would have ended a little bit more definitively. So the next point of view examination is right after that scene. Allison goes to the bathroom, and in Noah's version, he's kind of looking for the bathroom, and Allison comes out and surprises him. Um, and she's got, of course, the beautiful curly hair and the short, yellow, bright yellow waitress outfit. And right below it, they show Allison's version, and she's coming out, and Noah's like there waiting for her, almost like he's stalking her. And she's got the very severe, you know, hair pulled back, and it's kind of frumpy, <laughs> and her yellow outfit is paler, and it's not as bright, and she just looks less attractive. Um, so that happened. That was... I actually missed that. I didn't notice that much of a difference. The next scene, though, is the really clear one. We're on the beach. Noah walks up to Allison on the beach in his version, and she's alluring. Her dress is blowing up over her hips, and her feet are in the water, and she says, oh, you found me. And in Allison's version, she's walking down the beach, and she comes across Noah, and he says, I found you. Yeah, I think that stuff could be much more open to interpretation. I think that might be something easy to forget. Who said that? Maybe. Next, they show they must have really put this on heavy, laid it on heavy in episode one because there's a lot of them. But next, the cigarette. They share a cigarette. Um, in Noah's version, Allison walks up with a pack of cigarettes and holds it out to Noah and her strap of her dress blows off her shoulder, and she's looking really sexy. And then in Allison's version, she's wearing like a, like a sweater. She's huddled like it's kind of chilly, and Noah offers her the cigarette. Um, pretty distinct difference. Um, then the shower. Right. Um, in the shower one with Noah, she gets in the shower, takes off her clothes, and... Um, and just looks really sexy and like inviting him into the shower almost. In her version, she's wearing the sweater still, and they walk up the driveway. and And Noah asks a bunch of questions about the shower, and he tries to kiss her first. In his in her version, I think almost both of those seem seem like they've each exaggerated. Did you feel like that? Because in her version, she's this cowardly kind of folded up on herself person and he's this person that we never saw him really be either this you know gregarious kind of bouncy smiley person and in his version is the opposite of that he's the one who's kind of downtrodden and feeling sorry and she's the one who is completely out of character that they showed us for her the whole time she was like this siren the seductress yeah and the final one that they show and again i'll put these in the notes so people can look at them because they're pretty cool to look at side by side you, i know you're probably putting it in your head you're remembering it but when you watch them together it's pretty interesting oh yeah so the the final one is allison getting having sex on the hood of her car with cole um and to, in noah's version it looks like she's getting raped by cole um and in her version, it's pretty clear that it's consensual and she's getting really turned on by it. Um, but in, her, in Noah's version, Cole looks dangerous. And in Allison's version, Noah looks dangerous because he's kind of 
lurking and you know <laughs> spying on them. That's interesting because I didn't think about it like that. I guess that would be a neat thing to see side by side. But I just think we got to see more of actually what happened in Allison's version. And then uh, Noah's version of that, it was like he just walked up on something, which would be really easy to take something out of context in that way. But I I do want to watch that one side by side. Yeah. Did you know that um, Sarah Treem was a writer on House of Cards, too? Yes, I read that. I mean, uh, a few episodes, wasn't it, at least? Yeah, I don't know how many, but she, she, she and Haggai Levy did the inter, the interview, the um, in treatments, and um, House of Cards, and um, so she's really, like I said, she's pretty heavy into psychology. House um, of Cards is another one of my very top, great, great shows. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where I want to go next here with this, so. Um, let's just continue on with this. So, yeah, she did this with Haggai Levy. He, by the way, left the show midway through. Um, but Sarah Treem, you probably have some notes you made, you copied from interviews and stuff, but she said she uses sex to illustrate that the characters are trying to connect and how they fail all the time to connect. Um, Sarah Treem herself is a new, newlywed. She got married in June. Um, she married a guy named Jay Carson, who's a former campaign manager or campaign spokesman for Howard Dean and Hillary Cl- and Hillary Clinton. That may be how she got into House of Cards, this political connection. But she's in treatment was a long time ago. It was like over ten years ago, I think. And it was, oh wow, it was really good. <laughs> um, she has a two-year-old son, and she's thirty-four years old. I don't know. Seems like she's pretty tuned into relationships, and I don't know, the whole thing with the Rashomon was it really put a cool twist on it. Yeah, something else that I was um, that I had read was something about how people were really upset over Helen's reaction, more so than I would have thought of wanting Noah back, and something about that Sarah Treen was talking about how the relationships are hard to give up like in real life. And that was kind of what was being portrayed. And I'm wildly paraphrasing the stuff she said anyway, but, um, yeah, the New York times article I'm looking at the, the reporter asked her if, if she, if her husband should be worried because she's (laughs) so into writing about infidelity. And she said she wrote the show when she was single uh, so she said at that point in her life, she saw a lot of infidelity. And she had married men coming on to her, and her friends were in affairs. And, you know, she kind of, she saw it all over her own personal life. She, they asked her if she thinks men are more prone to cheat. And she said right away, yes, she does. <laughs> what do you think? She said, um... Actually, Noah says this. Sorry, I'm kind of reading it as I'm talking to you, but they asked McNulty, if you have four kids, does your sex life suffer? And McNulty said, yes, it definitely does. Well, yeah, (laughs) of course. So another interview asked Sarah Treem, um, what came first for you as a writer, the multiple points of view or that it's an extended flashback. 
in creating the story. And she said, I'm pretty, first, I'm pretty sh- sure we first talked about the Rashomon structure where there were two perspectives, but it was always that they were telling the story to somebody in, in, else in the future. And that's how the characters got developed. That's really interesting. It's also interesting that I think they, it seemed like anyway, that they stopped that about halfway through, right? Yeah. I think they talk about that in this, uh, in this article. Um, how did you decide, especially early on, when to change the rules of the framing? So here's what you're saying. The rules of the framing device you created, and she says, well, we break the format of the season at some point. Something will happen in the structure that you don't expect. In terms of breaking the rules, you have to set up something really well first before you can even think about messing around with it. So what were you thinking of, Michelle, where she broke this structure? Um, well, I wasn't even necessarily thinking about the structure being broken so much as it seemed to kind of, there were parts that were being told to the detective, and then there were parts that was like they were telling the story to us all the way through it. But then toward the end, it seemed like that there was less talk to the detective, and like they were just bringing him in for certain things, and I think it was hard, it was hard for me to separate those two things. Are they actually given a I don't know, it's not a testimony, but a statement to a detective, or are they just telling their own story? And I wonder if that's going to make a difference in the end of whether it's just, eh, whatever, you know, my idea of this, or if it's like a thought-out statement to somebody, you know, to a to an officer of some sort. Yeah, I wonder if she, I wonder how much of this she and Hage Levy wrote all out like a framework and then filled it in as they went along. Or if they just organically made it up as they went along, just kind of seeing how it goes. Yeah, I don't know, because they didn't know until it was about halfway over, to my understanding, right, that they were going to be renewed for a second season. They hadn't finished the first season at that point, or had they? Uh, I don't know. Because what if it had just ended? And that was just the end. Well, listen to this. This is scary. So the interviewer asked, how far ahead have you planned and Sarah Treem says, I've planned three seasons in online format, in, I'm sorry, in outline format, and then I have a vague idea what a fourth or fifth season could look like. Oh, wow. I pitched it to the producers. I pitched it in three seasons. I think David Nevins wants it to go longer, but three seasons was enough for him to go and greenlight the show. So she kind of figured she was going to get three seasons. Um, she probably worked all this into her writing of the first season. Can but you imagine I st- if it would have ended? Think, I still think this is a one-season arc to make it really the best way it could have been. I think we're just really used to that with a true detective and um, what was the other one? Fargo. Yes, yes, Fargo. Because. Well, we're not used to it, though. Those are new concepts. Right. Not used to it, but spoiled by it. Recently, yeah. Yeah, because those were so good, and you had, like, this perfect, um, you know, arc to the story, and then just the boom to the end with great endings and everything. So the fact that this didn't end, maybe that was what I think I just had a had a realization that that was what was unsatisfying to me maybe about the last episode. And it's kind of like you said, um, I would have loved it, but at the same time, 
where Fargo ended, True Detective ended. I'd love to see uh, Matthew McConaughey come back again, but we know he's not going to. So that makes me sad. I'm just wondering if it's one of those kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situations because having it end was great and something that we'll talk about probably forever, but having it not end kind of bothers us now. No, but having it end makes it sweet. That's like life. You know, you know, it's not forever. Nothing's forever. That's what makes it so sweet when you have it. That's a good point. I don't think you can have both. I I don't miss, you know, it was a great show. I'll rewatch it sometime in the future, I'm sure. But True Detective, I'm glad it ended. I'm glad there's no McConaughey next time. It waters it down. I I don't disagree. While I miss, I'm going to miss that, and I'm going to look for something that good in the next one, and I think they're going to have a hard time topping it, and I'm going to, I can't wait to see it. Um, I agree with you. So here's one other question they asked Sarah Treem. Why do you start with Noah's perspective first? Because as you mentioned in the pilot, you do judge Allison a bit because we aren't getting her perspective. And she says, Sarah Treem says, well, that switches from episode to episode. It's not always Noah first. We don't consistently switch it, but we didn't want it to be a thing where he always goes first and she always goes second. And it's interesting because some people read it, read it as he must be right and she must be wrong since he goes first but others say she goes second and that makes her the corrective so she's actually right how people come to it is so interesting and so personal it's kind of like a rorschach test i feel like the way people react to it says a lot about them so she's she's admitting that nobody's supposed to appear right or wrong because they're first or second you know or because they're they're sign flickers like some people were saying yeah, I never even thought that. Did you? Did that even ever dawn on you that because he's first, he's right or wrong or whatever? I just thought it was two stories, two different looks. Yeah, I think she's leaning on the people, the the psychology of people just trying to f- determine what's right or what's wrong. And to have all, one of them always first and the other always second, you know, wouldn't be fair. So I like the way that she mixed it up like that. Yeah, there was only two where Allison went first, I think, though. And the rest were Noah going first. But apparently it doesn't matter. Right, right. But it it was something that we kind of looked at, and not in a right-wrong kind of thing or telling the truth or embellishing kind of way, but just in a interesting why he would get to go first most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, so one other criticism people had was that Noah spent, I think, four months in that um, rubber room for the New York schools, and he finished his novel. It got such good acclaim that he got a major motion picture out of it. Mm-hmm. And such People just said that window of time is way too short for all that to happen. Um, first of all, to write the book, get it approved, and get the advance would have taken way longer than four months. Not to mention writing the book, getting it approved, getting it advanced, getting, and then getting enough people to love it by reading it that he gets a major motion picture. Well, the major motion picture was at four years. That wasn't at four months. But getting it, he, he just sold it at four months. And we have to think, I don't know, I think, that's, I think we're nitpicking with that because 
He was he started on chapter three, if you'll remember. So he already had his ideas and stuff. And if you were being paid essentially to sit, you couldn't go anywhere. I mean, you're forced to sit in a seat for how many hours? Eight hours a day. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think you could write it in four months, but you got to have people buy it over time to make it a bestseller. Well, and, right. and in his book signing, he did say they did say at the book signing, major motion picture was right away. Yeah. Well. When when was that though? I don't know that we know when that happened, do we? I don't know. You're you're right. It, it is nitpicking, but it is something about the show that makes you want to. I don't know. You're supposed to figure it out somehow, right? I'm just right. looking at the clues. Right. Um, but but you were saying that people were being very critical, and there was a lot to be critical about. But I don't know if that's you know. Yeah, people loved it or hated it. Or you know, some people and both. Yeah, I hate it, and I'm still going to watch it. That was a pretty mm-hmm. common thing to say. Yeah. So it what was. did you What did you learn in Reddit when you when you were delving into Reddit and talking to people? Just how passionate people feel about this. It's it's pretty it's pretty all or nothing. You know, um, they. Even the people who hate it keep coming back to it, or don't hate it, but really pick it apart, seem to come back to it. I think a lot of them wanted closure, and some of them that didn't get it were pretty angry. <laughs> so, Yeah, there are some people that hated it, that said they hated it. And they, if you read the comments after some of these articles, uh-huh. I hate this damn show. It makes no sense, but they keep watching it. And they even said, I hate it, but I'm going to keep watching it. Well... I mean, do they hate the show or do they hate like a character or do they hate how they feel like they're being jerked around? Because there's a difference in those two things or in those different things. You know, we can hate not knowing what's going on, but not actually hate the show. If we really hated the show, would we watch it? Yeah, I think they said that. Okay. (laughs) I hate the show, but I'm, I'm caught up in it. You know, I guess it's it may be a misinterpretation by them. Right. Like, why why do you watch something that you hate? But I don't know. People uh, people do that sometimes, I guess. So, what was your overall impression? What was your take on the I show? I like the Rashomon. I like the I like the um, structure of it. I also nitpick a bunch of million different little things that bothered me, but I like the structure of it. I would have liked it to have been 10 episodes or whatever it was, 10, 12. Maybe it could have been 13. But, um, yeah, so I don't like that it bleeds into – and it's the killing. That's the other thing people said. It's the killing all over again. No resolution uh. to the crime and a whole other season, maybe even a third season, and according to Sarah Dream, maybe up to a fifth season. But surely not for this one crime. Surely well, not. There's some stuff I don't like. I don't care about Scotty. That's why I think he's a red herring. He, he gets killed. But there's another... There's got to be a better mystery than Scotty. Who killed Scotty? Okay, we found out. I'm so satisfied. No. I'm not buying that. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I mean, is, is it going to be like a trial? Is that going to be one of the years? Um, I think... I don't know. I think there's a lot still left to show us. A lot. And 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 I'm with you because 
I think we've been burned, so to speak, so many times. I know we've invested so much time in television shows, really liking them and enjoying them, but then just getting to the point that it's like, this isn't worth it anymore because you don't want to continue to invest in something and never get the answers to it. And I was very um, convinced that we were going to find a lot of answers at the end of this. So, so we definitely the, didn't get as many as I wanted. Let's look at the characters, Michelle, from Tennessee. You tell me if you care about them. Give me a thumbs up, up or down, you, whether you care about them or don't care about them. Okay. Okay, Noah. Oh, yeah. Up. Allison. Up. Uh, Helen. Up. Cole. Can I go sideways? I don't know. Not so much, honestly. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, he's he's second or third tier. He's not a prime, he's not ready for prime time. No. Uh, Whitney. Yeah, I care. Yep, up. Why do you care about Whitney? Um, I think she plays a bigger role in this than we've seen so far. And um, for some reason, I don't know, she just seems like a really main character. And she's got us kind of invested in what's going on with her. Why do you? Do you? I don't like Whitney. And I don't really care what happens to her. Do you not? No. Okay. I don't. She's a little bitch. Well, she's... She's important to the story. Another, She's important to the story because Scotty's gone, and she was with Scotty. And, I don't care about Scotty, though. Yeah, I don't care that much about Scotty. Another problem people had with Whitney is why would she drive out on a train for three hours to Montauk when she could send an instant message that they're going to get Scotty in trouble for statutory rape? In other words, it's 2000 and whatever it is. 11, 12, 13, 14, whatever it is, she could have just texted somebody and said, get him, tell him to hide or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if she just went out there for that. But, um, and we're also to believe that she didn't have her phone still, right? Or no? Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember that. Well, remember Noah took her phone? Uh, I don't yeah. know if she'd gotten it back or not. How about Martin? Um,. Martin is Martin has potential. There's potential there. He's but, a good I mean, little you know, engineer. He knows how to strap himself up to look like he's hung himself. To give his parents a heart attack. That's horrible. How about Trevor and Stacy, the two little ones? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're just like they're cute as buttons, but I don't know if they're just to show the chaos of the big family. Yeah, they're worth, they're nothing. They're zero. I don't care about them. How about Detective Jeffries? I don't like him at all. What is wrong with me? I don't know if I care. <laughs> well, he's smarmy. He's like he's like deceptive. I, yeah, I don't trust him, and I don't like him. But I think that makes him kind of important because I don't trust him and I don't like him. And why do I have those emotions toward him if I didn't care? Because he's going to get one of the people you do care in trouble. Ah. Oh. Oh, there we go. Okay. How about Bruce? No, I don't care about Bruce. Margaret. Nah. Cherry. I feel I feel 
feel emotion toward Cherry. I don't trust her. I think she is important to the story. So thumbs up for that. All right. We already talked about Scotty. How about Hal? Yeah. No, not so much. Caleb. Eh. Mary-Kate. I love Mary-Kate. I don't know why. I just love her. She's so um, cute and and happy and sweet. So I like her. I want to see more of her. Well, she makes jam and she knows when people are trying to fuck her. <laughs> how, about, and, uh, how about Allison's grandmother? Rest well, her soul. Yeah, she's gone. Um, I think she had a reasonably important role in this, although we're not really sure exactly what. Yeah. Well, it developed Allison for us. It's we helped right. helped us understand Allison. How about Athena? Ah, uh, no. Max. I like Max. I like that I dis he's he's interesting. I don't like him, but he's interesting to me. Jane. Love Jane. How can you not love well, Jane? Well, you just love Jane cuz we made friends with her on our podcast. That's not the only reason I love Jane. So there was some criticism of Jane, believe it or not, Michelle from Tennessee. No. One was how could a waitress who works in a lobster roll restaurant for probably minimum wage and tips, how does she have a nice, cool brownstone apartment in Brooklyn uh, during her off time? Well, you would know more about that. I'm from Tennessee. How does she afford it? I don't know. How would she? How about Oscar? You got a crush on Oscar, Michelle, I can tell. You got a thing for him. (laughs) I can promise you that is not the case. I think he's a great actor. Um, Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Oscar, I think Oscar is important to the story. That's what we're saying, right? Important or unimportant to the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about Harry, the, the editor? Publisher, editor, agent. Yeah. Nah. That was another criticism that he, they glommed about eight, not eight, but at least three different roles onto him that are really distinctive different roles. Publisher, editor, agent. I guess he never really claimed to be an agent, but he kind of acted as an agent. Um, But those are three really different things. Um are they very different? Well, I mean, yeah, because an agent's on the writer's side, the author's side, to get the best deal out of the publisher. Oh, uh, okay. You know, like your agent, you, say you're a quarterback, you need an agent to get the most money for you from the team owner, right? The team owner is the publisher. And an editor takes what you write, and he's also more on the writer's side, although sometimes they're on the publisher's side. I guess they edit to make it more sellable. But... um so the agent works for you. Yeah. And you work for, I guess, the publisher. Well, they I, leapfrogged all this stuff because Bruce had the fast track with Harry and, and Bruce was right. already a stuff. That's another question. Do you think Noah's book, because they made a point of showing that last page of his novel, which was really drivel. It was really bad. <laughs> They showed us that, and they showed it just long enough where you thought, hmm, I could stop motion that and read that if I wanted right, to. Right, so, And then it was crap. So they put that in there. Do you think Bruce got Noah this publishing deal uh, mm-hmm. as a favor? 
No. No, why would he do that? I think Bruce particularly at this point wouldn't mind seeing Noah fail I mean, majorly fail with a capital F. I don't think he would have minded before. But I don't I think, think so. I think I think Bruce likes Noah. I think Bruce wants him to fulfill himself as a guy, as a man. Absolutely not. Not against his uh, daughter. No way. Well, he doesn't like him screwing up his daughter, but he's They've already he's separated him. at this point. I don't think he's mentoring him. They've already separated at this point. I don't think he would do that. What about after his swim? He comes in and he talks to him. He sits him down. He didn't have to do that. That was No, and he was still with his daughter. So, of course, he would want him to be successful at that point. But when he finds out he screwed his daughter over. Well, that, yeah, he's mad at that. But he's guy to guy and writer to writer. I think he's pulling uh, for him. No way. No way. Not, not once Noah's moved out. You're not a guy. You don't get it, Michelle. No, I don't buy that. Bros before hoes, baby. Um, but not before daughters. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't think. I think he's. I think he's. Um, I think he's on Noah's side. No way. No way. All right. No. Um, well, Michelle, unless you got anything else, that's we're gonna leave on that high note for the season. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's about it. This is the wrap-up for The Affair on West Coast Project. Michelle, you and I have some stuff coming up. Hopefully, Fargo. I don't know when that's coming on, True Detective. Oh, what else do we do? <laughs> we haven't done one of our life observation podcasts in a while. No, we could uh, do that. Joe Louis. Coy and Adam Carolla. And all oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, Louis Rashomon. Coming we'll do- up at some point, yeah. Yeah, Louis. Louis, too. Um, yeah, let's figure out the Rashomon. That's kind of a that could be a cool last statement about the affair. And then yeah, okay, great. Whenever it comes up again for um, season two, God, I just don't want to look forward to that. I'm not like you, like oh, it's going to be so long till season two. I'm like, why is there even a season two? Well, you have to have it now. I mean, you have to. You can't end like this and not do it. it You'll be happy ended. when it gets here. You'll if, be happy. What if it didn't get approved? If if it had ended like this, I think there would be a whole lot more people upset than than there are now. I don't know. I think it'd be pretty close. I think there'd be a lot of people saying, "Thank God that's over." Uh, or yeah, that, but know. is that how you want your show to be remembered? Well, they don't want it to be remembered the way it is now. Like, uh, why are they dragging this into another season? Why did they not wrap it up and start fresh with another season? Yeah, I don't, I mean, that's, well, that's evidently not how Sarah Train typically writes, right? Because, I mean, with House of Cards and stuff, it wasn't that, it's not that way either. And they continue on. I think House of Cards, though, seems to end better. The, the, the season finales are pretty good. Yeah, because that was another argument people made. Like at a certain point, at a certain a point, at a certain point, an affair stops being an affair and becomes a relationship. He was married to Allison. It's not an affair anymore, right? An affair. Yeah, that's is a like, very good point. So get another affair going, or you know, do you can't call them in a, in an affair anymore. See, I'm not even sure that this affair is going to be what happened between Noah and Allison. I'm not even sure we've even hit the title of this yet. What do you mean? I just don't know if if 
this whole story is about that. I don't know if that's the affair that we're talking about. So the there affair was the else. Trojan horse to get us into this other... Into whatever mystery. happens. Well, right. I mean, there could be another affair or there, between two people, of course, or some other affair. Who knows? I mean, well, you know... Well, they clearly just... had an affair. You know, he's a married guy, nothing wrong. Oh, obviously. But that may not be the story affair. There could be anything else. If we ended up hearing from it from Helen and Coleside, who knows what we're going to hear? Noah and uh, and Allison could fade to the background. We don't have any idea. I think that's what makes people so mad is we don't have any idea where that's going to go. Well, I think that's why 10 episodes and we're done. Bam, start something else. But we didn't get that. We got this. So here we are. Um, but I would really like to check out the Rashomon and the structure behind that and how Sarah Treem set this up with that. It's actually Haggai Levy who had the idea, put an affair into the format of the Rashomon um, point of view. So, oh, really? So it was actually written based upon that? Yeah, that was his idea. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't and then get Sarah that. Treem wrote in treatment with him back in whatever that was, early 2000s. So he had her work with him on this again, and um, that's what we got. So our website is West Coast Project. My Twitter is at Scathing Tweets. Michelle, what's your Twitter? Uh, Michelle from TN. And those links are on the show notes, so click them, like the webcast, and leave us a thumbs up or whatever, five stars. Unless you got anything else, Michelle, that's all we have for this season one of The Affair. I'm good with it. All right, stay tuned for Rashomon. We'll figure out how to get you a copy of the movie, and we'll cover it. Oh, yeah, I'll get it. Okay, great. All right, talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.